from uh, like one character in, in particular from a, a Lovecraft story that showed up in. I've never read Lovecraft in my life. I couldn't never tell seen, you. So probably never seen any of the movies then. Only Reanimator, you know. Well, there, there you go. Actually, yeah. Well, you you had mentioned that in the chat, so that's yeah, that's yeah. literally the only. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah, I, I got I got a big kick out of that, but uh, Jeffrey Combs too, I thought was was pretty cool to have him in there. That's, I, yeah, he's awesome. Well, uh, we'll kick it off, and uh, so I'll go to uh, I'll go to Justin and Brandon. Kick it! <laughs> hey, I uh, look at the bat. Okay, let's try that. <laughs> the Dorkening and all affiliated shows are not intended for anyone under the age of eighteen. The following may contain discussions or scenes that have adult situations graphic violence, nudity, strong sexual content, and graphic language. This show is intended for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to the Dork Night. My name is Leo. I'm the monkey behind the keyboard here. We have an awesome show scheduled for you as always. Today we're going to be talking about a, a new animated movie, uh, Batman, the Doom that came to Gotham. And this is actually based off of a mini series that came out in November of 2000. It was a Elseworlds imprint uh, written by uh, Mike Magnolia, uh, Richard Page, illustrated by... Uh, tree nixie actually i got this i wrote my my titles wrong <laughs> uh <laughs> dennis jenke does the inks uh and uh magnolia does the covers so i know i got all those names wrong but uh justin why don't you correct me sir <laughs> batman batman you say uh <laughs> did it have like a dan brenton cover too or something but um yeah, it's, it's it's gorgeous, Mike Mignola, and any anyone who's a fan of Hellboy, this is essentially a Hellboy story where Batman and another character are are just separated from Hellboy. So, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, Brandon. Hey, hey, kids! It's it's me, <laughs> powerful Brandon. Uh, yeah, I mean, where where we saw the animated movie the doom that came to gotham based on the Elseworld story by mark mike Mignola. mike mignola i feel like louis uh, like leo jesus christ i can't talk um yeah this is this is uh interesting they get another Elseworld story that's been taken and made into an animated feature for dc animated um i i'm enjoying the the trend and the, the fact that they're looking at that uh, all as a well to go to for a lot of the stuff that they're they're uh, kind of prepping and releasing, this is uh you know if you're into uh, any number of Lovecraftian things, Reanimator, From Beyond, Castle Freak, uh, Castle Colorado, Freak, yeah. Co- Colorado Space, then uh, and Batman, of course, not that it's Lovecraftian, but there is always a little bit of a Lovecraft reference in most Batman things. Uh, for anybody out there, if you didn't realize it, Arkham Asylum is named for Arkham County in Massachusetts as defined by H.P. Lovecraft in his stories. Arkham, I, Massachusetts. Boom. I did not know that. Oh, really? Yeah, see? 
That one's for free, kids. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So there's there's always been like a little bit of a of a, a Lovecraft flavor to some of the stuff, which um, you know makes sense. You think about how a lot of the villains within uh, the confines of Batman's world uh, have had horrific things uh, occur or done to them uh, involving their, their bodies, their physicalities and body horror is a, a big, big, big thing when it comes to uh, Lovecraft's stories. Yeah, I definitely noticed that with, uh, with the characters, you know, it, it's definitely more gruesome takes of, of their, uh, Gotham counterparts, you know, poison Ivy and, and two face just look like the, um, that creature from, uh, what was that new zombie, uh, show on HBO? Uh, one last of us, of us. Oh, last of us. Yeah. Like one of the zombies like attached to the wall. Yeah, see, now you jumped to that, but when I saw it, it made me think of From Beyond. Oh. Yeah, if 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 you've ever seen the the movie From Beyond that stars um Richard uh the Richard, yeah. Jeffrey Combs and um Bar- Barbara Crampton. Uh, who, Obviously. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean they were they, I I I mean, I just named the people that are in like the vast majority of Stuart Gordon's Lovecraft movies. Uh, but the, the, um, the main doctor that, uh, what's his face? Jeffrey Combs works with him from beyond. He is like fully taken into the ether. Uh, and he is completely changed. And when he shows back up, he's got this like pink grotesquery of, of a, what passes for a body. And when I saw that happening to, to Harvey, I was just like, yep, that's my worst fucking nightmare right there. That's uh, it. Yeah. I don't yeah. do well with body horror. It's not my, it's not my bag. Um, I even like get, <laughs> and it's not like a, it's not like a grossed out thing. It's a, it's a psychological, like the, lo- the loss of control, like something taking you over and you you are acutely aware of it and there's horrible things happening and there's nothing you can do to fight it at all. Um, it's, it, it's just horrifying. I get squeamish when I watch RoboCop. Oh, wow. I mean, I love RoboCop and that's part of the idea of RoboCop, the horror of it. Like imagine this happening to you, you know? And, and that's the thing is like, maybe part of it is like, I put myself, in that character's like position as much as one can. And it just, I, it, it I get freaked out. I, I you know, it's, it, it's, it, I mean, it, it, it happens a lot when I watch movies, it, I, you should have seen me fucking, I looked like a tweaker when I first saw dread. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because I saw it in 3d and I never, ever, ever needed to know what it was like to be thrown off the fucking top of a high rise that is literally a mile up in the sky. Yeah. And I like, I legitimately like, this is not normal, but I, I, I kind of felt like I was on the verge of a panic attack because it was not something I expected. And it was so much more visceral than I, I would have 
I would have preferred, <laughs> to put it lightly. Um, I don't. I, have you seen Dread, Leo? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So you know when Mama fucking grabs a guy that she finds out she has been stealing from her, she doses him with the the time lapse drug, yeah. and then oh my, throws yeah. him off the top of the high rise. And now, like we see it from his point of view for a good chunk of time, where he is just falling in slow motion to his doom and like he's going to be acutely aware and feel every part of it like his face and body eventually hitting the ground and like it just it it geeked me out and yeah that's fucked up yeah i mean hats off to the filmmaker because the the reaction i had is the reaction they wanted i i understand that yeah no i get that but um I saw the movie once. I'm glad I saw it and I own it, but it would give me pause to watch it again just because of that. So I think of that what you will. But yeah, like uh, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of fun stuff that pop up in the movie. Um, I did get a kick uh, out of the fact that when Batman towards, you know, get further along and he's actually like in the area where there's going to be like the big, the, the great arrival, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, did you notice the the color of everything in there, in that chamber where he's going up against Raish? Is it purple? Magenta. Yeah, like the color out of space? Color out of space. Yeah, cool. Yeah, which, uh, which I thought was... Um, well, Colorado Space is a story by Lovecraft, and then it was made into a movie just a couple of years ago by Richard Stanley, uh, starring Nicolas Cage and Jolie Richardson, a couple of other people. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was actually kind of brilliant because Richard Stanley had them pick the color magenta for this like sentient interdimensional color that arrives and can just like transmute and amalgamate matter. And um, the reason his reasoning for picking the color magenta, it's, I was like so mad when I found out cause it's so goddamn smart. And like, I don't think of myself as particularly stupid, but I, I also like, I, I, I saw it and I was like, I feel like I should have known this. Magenta doesn't exist as a color. We actually cannot see the real color on the wavelength that magenta appears. We can only perceive that color, which we call magenta, but that's actually not what's there. It's like, it's really fucked up. And so when I buy my printer inks, they've been lying to me this whole time. Technically, yes, but not not of their own accord. You know, it's just there's a lot going on with that wavelength of light, but all we can perceive in that wavelength is what we end up calling magenta, but mm. there's actually more to it. And he made the color out of space in this movie magenta because of its seemingly realistic otherworldly properties. And I was like, fuck, man, that... That's too cool for school. And then like, and, and he did a great job with the movie. He really did like Colorado space was effective. 
um, was done well. And then uh, it turns out Richard Stanley is a fucking world-class piece of garbage. So, boo. Yeah, boo yeah. indeed. Boo indeed. But, I mean, so was H.P. Lovecraft. So I guess par for the course. Yeah, I, I guess that's what you need to make a good Lovecraft movie. <laughs> yeah, good so. stuff. Yeesh. So uh, just, just back up real quick. Uh, I know we didn't go over to plot. Uh, so going from Wiki. So the explorer Bruce Wayne accidentally unleashes an ancient evil, expediting his return to Gotham City after a two-decade hiatus. The logic science-driven Batman must battle supernatural forces threatening the sheer existence of Gotham, along the way being aided by Green Arrow, James Gordon, and confronted by Ray Shao Ghoul. Mr. Freeze, which I don't think Mr. Freeze was in the movie. Uh, Killer Croc, Poison Ivy, and Two-Face. He was. He that's was. that's off. Like, that's very off because Cobblepot unleashed it, not yeah. not Bruce Wayne. And yeah. that's not officially Mr. Freeze. That's he, Mr. It, whatever, it, you know? Zero. Yeah. Which I actually, when I watched I was like, fuck, that, that actually would have been a really fucking cool name for the character of Mr. Freeze. <laughs> like... They call me Mr. Zero. I'm just happy when he doesn't have giant, bushy, red eyebrows. You know, like in the 66. I was going to say, we were watching 66 lately. Yeah, that's all. I'm I'm like, I'm good with everything except for those eyebrows. So so with the movie, Dave Giantoli is uh, playing Bruce Wayne, Batman. Uh, Tati Gabrielle is Kylie Kane. And uh, actually, I didn't realize until after reading the wiki that it was supposed to be uh, Cassandra Kane. They never gave her that last moniker of Kane. Yeah, in, they did. In this, when? Because they the just very, called her Kylie. At the very end of the movie. Did they? When they when they name her as the head of the charity. Oh, I only heard Kylie. Because yeah, I, I, I was sitting there. Dara was next to me. She was not invested in the movie. I'm, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I was barely invested in the movie. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but when it got to the end there and they're like, uh, and, and heading the foundation is Kylie Kane. And I was like, oh, son of a bitch. She's supposed to be Cassandra Kane. I knew I knew who she'd be because I, I'm like, all right, they're not going the route of Barbara with this because there's already a Barbara. There's not doing a Tim Drake or a Damien or anything. I'm like, who could that be? Obviously, you know, I just wasn't even thinking about it in those terms. But as soon as they said her name at the very end there for the, the announcement of heading the foundation. I was just like, oh, orphan. Gotcha. Anyway. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of Barbara Gordon, I really liked how uh, her portrayal in, in the story. Very you different. Know, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, we know her as the Oracle, but, you know, turning the Oracle into, you know, uh, somebody that's psychic. An actual thought, Oracle. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was a pretty cool twist. You know, uh, David Giantoli, the guy who uh, voiced Bruce Wayne and Batman, he was uh, the main character of the show Grimm on mm-hmm. NBC for a while. Uh, you know who he's married to? Bitsy Tulluck. Bitsy Tulluck, Lois Lane from Superman and Lois. Wow. Yeah. Anywho. <laughs> I learned that from you. So <laughs> she was she was the other lead from the movie, from the show Grimm. Yes, indeed. That's where they met. So, and uh, David, this is his second time as Batman because he did uh, Batman: The Way of the Dragon. Uh, which that was a good one. That was fun. That was yeah, very that was... different. So this was the, uh, I believe this is the fifty-first 
animated DC Holy movie. Holy crap. Wow. It is. Um, just recently, we saw uh, Legion of Superheroes. And before that was Batman and Superman Battle of Super Sons. Then Green Lantern, Beware My Power. Uh, and then the two flops, Catwoman Hunted and Injustice. Catwoman Hunted. Ugh. Yeah, I liked all except for those two flops. I, yeah. I actually was surprised that Green Lantern one was good. The Legion one was was even better. I thought that was. I want fun. I want more of the fucking Super Sons animated. Yeah, movies. yeah, yeah. They I'm, did that I'm with you. so well, and I honestly have to say, uh, watching that and Legion of Superheroes, I was so impressed with the animation in both of them because and and i i've mentioned this to the both of you um probably off air but uh worth reiterating uh, it's everything that motion comics want to be yeah because like i know it's a cartoon i know it's animated so obviously we're gonna have everything moving around in an animated fashion however both of those projects in particular, they like specifically look as though the artwork was lifted directly from the comic books and polished, refined, and then full-blown animated. It is the same style, exactly how you would think those panels and pictures would move fluidly. And I, I of course, I first noticed it with Super Sons and holy damn, I, I just I want like every goddamn uh, animated movie, what have you, to to be done in the same way. I'm not saying have it be the same design work, but if you're going to pull for a particular character from source material, have it like match the source material and then go full bore and and just animate that Mwah, chef's kiss. I think oh. you'll be excited then about the uh, the anime crossover, the Justice League with the uh, was it Ruby or whatever it is? Because that R W G, yeah. I, I wish I could tell you I knew what it was. It's incredibly popular, from what I understand. Yeah, I'm 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 not that well aware. I just know that Superboy looks kind of cool. Yeah, I I think the animation is going to be similar to the Super Sons, from what I've seen. Yes, I like that. It. That's out already, right? I think there's going to be two parts of it, and I thought it was out in June. I don't know. It's the hmm. next one out, I believe. I'm I'm the last guy to ask about like anime, <laughs> anime, honestly. <laughs> and you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to yuck anybody else's yum. I understand there are a lot of people out there who really love and and just jump in headfirst to all things anime, and honestly, like. Good, good for you. Good slash good for them. Um, that's that's awesome. Let your geek flag fly. Um, it's anime is just a hard thing for me to get into. Uh, it's just not my cup of tea. But that being said, even even with that being the case, there's still anime that I actually do genuinely not just enjoy but love. It's a love-hate relationship for me, honestly. And I watch anime every day. There, yeah, there's I mean, so much bad that it's just like, ugh, when you find that one good one, you latch onto it and squeeze. Yeah, you know? that's that's what happened to me like when I with uh, Trigun and The Giver. I, I was just I, watching Gundam last night, you know, like this new uh, Gundam or something, and I'm just like, oh, man. It's just not the same. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, I, I wouldn't even know where to begin, honestly. Um, but uh, yeah, so so I'm sorry, Leo. What were you? Oh, gonna say yeah, to no, I was just gonna say real quick. Uh, so speaking of the animation, I really dug the animation in this, but I I I I think they they did I say this already that they kind of learned lessons with uh. You know, injustice. Uh, injustice. Like <laughs> yeah. injustice, the animation was so horrible. And then you go to Catwoman Hunted, which was, you know, it, it was unique. It wasn't absolutely terrible, but it was like, you know, it was it was cutesy where it didn't really need to be cutesy. You know, it was. Um, but then after that, I mean, like you said, Battle of Super Sons was friggin' superb. Yeah. Legion of Superheroes was excellent, and uh, I think they did a really good job with the animation with this one. Yeah. I, 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 I also agree. Uh, I think, I think this looked sharp. Um, you know, they, they had a lot of stuff that they were a lot of moving pieces with getting the story going and, and moving. For, for me, they, they could have gone with like a, a bit more stylish, you know, like closer to the book. Like, I think that would have been cool. Like maybe some more blacks like Mignola use like that kind of stuff, but, <clears throat> you know, but otherwise, I mean, this is very distinguishable versus uh, Batman Gotham by Gaslight because you could almost like look at them and be like, oh, this is that same character. And clearly he's not because we have a James Gordon here, you know, mm. but he has a very similar costume. So I could see how people are watching this are like, is this a sequel to Batham to Batman Gotham by Gaslight? So it's uh, and it's a different time period altogether. So. I, I did see, think uh, it was cool that they had Jason Marsden voice Dick Grayson in this. Yes, I, I like him a lot. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's like a it's like a throwback. That's fun. <laughs> and um the, the guy who does uh Rachel Ghoul's voice in the in the movie, uh Navid Negabon. Um I don't know if you fellows ever watched Legion on FX. I've seen a couple episodes, yeah. I fucking loved it. Uh, it's so weird and out there, but it's really like it's it, it's such a great psychodrama involving the character of Legion and the world of the X-Men. And it, it was done in such a smart way that as far as I'm concerned, you could legitimately just say like Legion is the only thing that's like canon for the X-Men since Disney purchased Fox. And I would be like, yes, that is fine for me. I, I have no problem with that. Did they bring up the, the gifted in Legion? No. No, that didn't even come up? Yeah. No. It, it's um, weird because after watching that last season of Umbrella Academy, for some reason I have like this thing in my head where I confuse the two because they, they had that scene where they're in the mental hospital and all that. And it's like, did this happen in Legion or did this happen in Umbrella Academy? So, oh, yeah. Fair enough. I mean, I think I think if you have the time to – sit down and watch legion through um like i said you will be like oh this is kind of fucking weird and out there but it ends very specifically noah holly knew how he wanted to end the show three seasons that was it uh navid negaban in it plays the shadow king oh nice and um this guy legion <laughs> yes dan oh. stevens What's that? Oh, did you see Legion? He was also the Sultan in uh, Aladdin. Yes, that is right. He was the Sultan in Aladdin. Oh, yep. fantastic! Yeah, I, I always, I, I, I often think of uh, him and uh, Colm, Colm Fury 
being uh almost like interchangeable insofar as like if you needed like a, a charming older potentially bald <laughs> guy to be either a good guy or a bad guy who could appear to be a good guy initially like that's a tricky line to walk in when when you watch legion he's he's the shadow king you know what i mean so like there's not much redeeming about the shadow king and god damn it if he wasn't like one of my favorite fucking characters not because of like full-blown malevolence he's just he fucking oozes charisma you know best fucking case scenario for farouk being represented in in live action media i mean i think it i think he starts wearing the little fucking fez at, at one point too like always and always with the sunglasses always you know he's just not like fucking like grotesquely like monstrously large and with the big teeth and everything he's he's just like yeah this is this is my realm here you go <laughs> like it's it's great though um lots of weird shit and good to see that he ends up playing voicing Rachel Ghoul in this movie because uh it you know they should have somebody who's actually of like um like middle eastern you know uh descent in in ethnicity uh voicing that character altogether yeah he's so ambiguous too in the comics too because he's like oh i was from an area that you might consider half china half you know something else i'm like oh so it's like you can't really pinpoint down exactly where he's he was pan asian yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly so it's yeah. like oh that ambiguity is a good line to stride yeah it, and and, and to, <laughs> to have an to have an iranian actor like be the person to step in and at least voice him i mean that is as close I think that you could possibly get to the the ethnic and cultural origins of the character themselves. And he was totally Rasputin from Hellboy. I mean, like it was yeah, like when, like even like the ceremony. And I always go back to it's like really they have to have like all these ceremonies and things, and it's like we're summoning and all that. I feel like we've seen that so often, and it's like okay. You know, I'm like, I wish Ozzy Mendeus was here and he just did it 10 minutes ago and we just walked in. <laughs> you know, it's like, Jewish? not I'm only not that, some, I'm not some Republic serial villain. Yeah. I'm going to tell you my plans so you have even the remotest chance of stopping it. Do it. I did it 35 minutes ago. What? <laughs> uh, uh, not only that, it was a ceremony within a ceremony. It had uh, yeah. so many ablations. <laughs> yeah, so ablations. <laughs> Uh, ceremony to bring uh, Rosh back, and then uh, Rosh to uh, bring uh, uh, Cthulhu. Yeah, oh, and that was the other thing too—the pool of like glowing green stuff. The Lazarus juice. Yeah. yeah. Reanimator. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I mean, who's to say that that wasn't you know what the original uh, impetus was for Denny O'Neill? I wouldn't. You know? I wouldn't doubt it. Honestly, like seeing the movie and when i drew the parallel i said i said that to dad i was like oh it's like reanimated she's like i have no idea what you mean i'm like all right i'll just think <laughs> i'll just think in my head but just remember i said that <laughs> yeah uh, but i i did i did think to myself i was like wait a minute like it brings things back to life i mean there's something to that you know I, 
These these guys, there's not nihil subs. What is it? Nihil subsole novum. There is nothing new under the sun. Everything borrows from or copies everything else. Like how we got poison ivy. I don't even know if you mentioned her at the beginning, but you know, it's like, <laughs> and and no. I swear they did that just to set up his uh, his joke. Like, see, I told you no fauna could stand by me. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh my I'm god. Like, okay. Yeah, I mean, he was probably the most compelling character to me was Ollie, uh, played by Christopher Gorham, who usually does the voice of the Flash in, in a lot of these things. I, I I thought that he was just chewing scenery left and right. I'm like, wow, he's great in this. Yeah, Such a was. different take on Ollie, too. He, he's essentially Azrael, you know? Yeah, that's 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 true. I mean, I, I it was kind of funny to me uh, how they they played up like a whole like familial connection to everything that was going on for Oliver Queen. Um, you know, that's neither here nor there. It, it, it was done in service of the story. So, yeah. you know, it, it is what it is, but having not read this in many, 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 many Do years, I, I, wonder if I, I was not, I, I just went in cold. I was like, all right, I'll just watch it. And, I I gotta say, like seeing Oliver in the movie, I was like, this literally could have been anybody else. You know, you you, you could have you could have had you could have had j- just about any other character fulfill this role. Yeah, I was thinking, I'm like, it could have been Ted Cord. You know, it, it could have been. Um... You know, uh, Slade. It could have been anybody. Could have, could have been Jack Knight, uh, Starman for crying out loud, or Ted yeah. Knight, Ted Knight, Starman. You know, like, uh, 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 what's his name? Um, Max Lord. You know. Yeah, but uh, you know, I also i i did get a kick out of the fact that they utilized Kirk Langstrom in it, and that the voice of Kirk Langstrom was Jeffrey Combs, who that was great has appeared in numerous Stuart Gordon uh, Lovecraft uh, movies slash adaptations. Um, and that uh, David Dasmalchian da, uh, was the voice of Brendan in it. And uh, that dude has just been in like... He's on fire. A growing <laughs> number. Of, but of all things, specifically, a growing number of like comic book related properties um specifically dc i mean he was he was the the cop the not cop but the psychopath that the joker had approach harvey dent wearing the name tag that said officer rachel dawes in the dark knight mm-hmm. that's Obviously. the first time i remember seeing him yeah uh, me too i mean like the funny thing is i knew who he was at that point in time because I had seen the show Almost Human, starring Carl Urban and Michael Ely, and David Dasmalchian is on an episode of it where he's like basically kind of a terrorist. He's gonna blow up like a building or something like that. Um, and I just I remembered him, and when he showed up in Dark Knight, I was like, "Hey, it's that it's that guy," and I mean we've seen him. Obviously, Polka Dot Man in Suicide Squad. Uh, he played Abracadabra in The Flash on CW. He was the voice of 
the Calendar Man and the Penguin in Batman the Long Halloween. Um, I think there's like another one. Wait, oh, he was he, he was in he was in Gotham. He was in the show Gotham on. Oh, on nice. Fox. Yeah, so like, he's he's been fucking showing up in DC shit like like crazy. I think there was a uh, something else too, like recently that that David Dasmalshian did, maybe for James Gunn. Well, he put him in uh, Guardians Three. I don't know who he's playing, but that's he, what. Okay, yeah, that's what it is. He's definitely in that. Um, and he's got his own book called Count Crowley. Oh, nice. So he's he's writing the uh, the comic Count Crowley. So, which that's apparently really cool. is selling well. So that's that's kind of cool. That is pretty cool. I like it. Um, but yeah. So anyway, <laughs> that's a great picture right there that you pulled up, like just him with that high collar and everything. Yeah, but I mentioned like this is like Hellboy because uh, Etrigan the demon shows up and he <laughs> is an absolute stand-in for Hellboy. You know where it's like the detective aspects of Hellboy Batman does, and then like the brute force stuff Etrigan does, and uh, you know it's it's kind of like oh yeah, this is absolutely a Hellboy book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's uh, it it was it was uh, interesting to say to say the least bit uh, how they lined up with certain things stylistically and certainly the source materials creator and his other projects. Um, yeah. It's, but- it's interesting because that's the writer, you know, and that's, that's the thing that we get And And by the time he was writing this, Hellboy was already a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, really, really nothing that plenty of people haven't seen essentially play out in, in other facets with other characters it's it lines up it absolutely lines up um so, I, I, so oh, sorry go ahead no that, that, that's that's fine no i i was just gonna say so he is listed on imdb as a writer for the movie so i'm wondering if they brought him back in to make the changes or if they just put him in since it's based off of his work originally i'm sure that they had to that they put him in as a, you know, giving him credit for writing the, uh, yeah. If you look at writers, co-author, that's, that's his credit. Yeah. It also lists, uh, Jace, uh, Ricci and Richard Pace, which Jace Ricci, Jace Ricci wrote the screenplay. Mike Mignola and Richard Pace wrote the three page miniseries. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think Mignola got paid for this. So I would say that probably, you know, just based on um, the, the way I, I feel like we would have seen some more aspects of his stuff if that was the case. It's definitely like an adaptation, which DC can do, you know? Yeah. 100%. I mean, it's, it's nice when they give credit, but, you know, I mean, look look at the whole thing with like Bill Finger. It's like they don't have the best history of doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And not just DC. Oh, yeah. Not well, just, of course. Not, That's just like just... the biggest example, though. So, you know. oh, yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, you know, something to be said for Stan Lee. He, he, you know, he never outright took credit, but he wasn't very quick to correct people a lot of the time either. And that's one of the things worth remembering. Um, yeah, this, uh, this, it, it, it was, it was pretty, it was, it was okay. I mean, what, uh, an hour and 25 minutes, I think, for the entirety of it. Um, it moves at a fair clip. Um, if you 
if you watch it and you have any idea how foreshadowing works in any number <laughs> of things, then you can pretty much see where it's heading. Um, I think maybe 12 minutes into the movie, I was, I was like, Oh, so he's just going to turn into it. Yeah. He's going to turn into it. Yeah. He's going to, no, he's, that's what he's going to do. That's, that's, that's what's going to happen. I just, I know it. And then I got to the end. I was like, Oh, Hey, look, he turned. Yeah. Okay. That, that, the, that lines up with minute 12 of this movie. <laughs> uh, the ending in the movie did change a little bit from the book. Um, how so? I uh, Talia, um, how she dies, and I believe she out outlives Raish hmm. in the book. Um, also in the book, uh, in order for Gotham to survive, its heart must die. So it looks like, and I could be reading it wrong, but in the book, it's only that. Uh, clock tower that gets destroyed rather than all of Gotham. Oh, okay. Hmm. Good changes. And I mean, I, I think it's, it's a fairly interesting um, change. You know, it's, it's, it doesn't take too much away from the plot and all that. And I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I personally, I, how do I say this? I watched this because we were going to be talking about it, but otherwise, and especially for someone like myself who I, you know, I love Elseworlds. Um, I had no real burning desire to go out of my way and watch this movie. Um, that, and that I think for me personally, that speaks more to the, the fact that like, I like, like I said previously that they're, they're jumping into like the well of Elseworlds. That being said, like maybe we should start getting some stuff. That's not always Batman Elseworlds. Uh, I know Batman sells, but you know, one of the things that they're looking at with, with DCU moving forward is trying to diversify and showcase all of these other characters that aren't, Batman or Superman, you know, and uh, the Batman centric model for a lot of this stuff, you know, it, it, it's fine, but like, let's, let's see what else there is to play with in that sandbox. Um, and for a three part Elseworld to be brought down to 125 minutes. I mean, that's, that's a significant like cut to the amount of runtime it probably should have had. Um, and they've, they've been doing stuff like that with DC animated for a while. It's not specific to this one, this one project. Yeah. The, the first one, Batman versus, or no, uh, Superman versus doomsday, you know, well, was, I mean, what would we get? 90, 90 minutes. If that 70 minutes, that. I think. I think, I think 70, it was 70 yeah. minutes and it was just like, what the hell is this? There's four characters with speaking roles. You know, it's like it's out of control. It's, man. It, I mean, obviously that's changed in the past, what, like 20 years, you know, because this is 51 of uh, yeah. of their animated. So it's like that's one. <laughs> and then here we are. Yeah. But well, but even even recently with Red Sun, I mean, 
they they significantly truncated that. Yeah, story. they left out full characters. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, and I did. Like I mean, Red Sun. I, I probably liked Red Sun better than this one. I I mean, I had I had problems with Red Sun, especially with the ending and everything, because I really really feel like they should have leaned into exactly how Mark Miller ended that series. I really wish that the stuff with like Brainiac and, and Lex Luthor and Superman played out, you know, it was, it was definitely more brain over brawn when push came to shove by the end of it. Like, why don't you put the whole world in a bottle? You know, like that works so well within the comic book. And I think it could have worked just as well in the cartoon in the animated movie. If they hadn't taken this three issue, prestige format elseworld and brought it to like what an hour and 28 minutes or something like that like there's a lot more that that could have been touched upon and they just they didn't you know that's it's great that they're right because that's the same thing they did with um with injustice and i mean with injustice there's two series that have gone on to like what issue 60 or something like that So you're yeah. you're right. You know it's oh yeah. Trun- look, red, red red sun, an hour and twenty four minutes. I mean, at the very least, at the very least, two hours. You know, for for that story. Um. It, but, you know, it is what it is. I just I hope, you know, a, a lot of people are looking at the same thing, like what I was saying, like, oh, hey, they're going to these alternate reality s- stories to to start making some of these animated projects. Uh, and a lot of people are like, oh, you know what that means? Like, Kingdom Come can't be too far behind. Okay. Okay. However, if these other things that we've seen are any indication... If and when they make a Kingdom Come animated movie, what's that going to be like? I mean, you're going to take four issues of that and what? Distill it down to like an hour and 39 they minutes? You got to two-part that one. Yeah. They, they should really two-part it. Yeah. And, and, and something, uh, you know, a story that, you know, popular, you know, you would think that they would definitely want to get as much out of it as they can as well. I mean, Red Sun, an incredibly popular book as well. Like, seriously, a very popular Superman book, let alone Elseworld. And they still brought that to an hour and 24 minutes. I would like to, I want to, I I agree with you. Like, they should make it a two-parter or or maybe Maybe this was old DC Warner Brothers studio too. You know, um, saying that you can't have an animation over an hour and a half. You know, fair, maybe, fair maybe it's that. So because we're getting Creature Commandos and that's going to be animated, but that's a, a series, I think. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. That's that's uh, supposedly going to be the first uh, first wave of the James Gunn stuff. So, yeah, I mean, we're, we're I think I think we're going to be in for uh, a good ride when it comes to how DC animation approaches the source material uh, and and, you know, make sure that they're actually including details that enrich the characters and story overall instead of just going as bare bones as possible and and 
keeping everything quote streamlined. Like I understand that you want to trim fat. I totally do. But there are certain things like what, you know, watching, watching, uh, you know, some, some of these, you know, Batman, the doom that came to Gotham that it does pick up pretty quickly, but there's no room to breathe in that movie either. There is no room to breathe while you're watching Batman the Doom that came to Gotham. Yeah, there, there's a succession of like rapid fire character introductions too at a certain point where you're like, boom, Harvey Dent, boom, boom, Molly Queen, boom. You know, it's like, oh, okay. And now we're getting to know uh, Kylie and and this is, uh, you know, Jay Sanjay, you know, so it's like, yeah. Oh, here's here's Gordon and it's Prohibition, you know, so, oh, okay. Right. It's like a, yeah. a very rapid fire. So Wiki actually has the uh, the continuity. Um, I was just curious about this. So they give us the, like a different Earth, like Earth forty eight well, or something. So yeah. Justice League Dark Apocalypse War was the last of the DC animated universe continuity. Uh, Superman Man of Tomorrow then formed the Tomorrow Verse, hmm. and uh, then it's a mixture of standalones and Tomorrow Verse. Superman Man of Tomorrow. I don't remember that one. All of a sudden, I, I remember Superman Unchained. Yeah, uh, Man of Tomorrow was um, essentially a, a, a not a rebirth, but it was just you know uh, Superman. It's 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 it was the, it, it was over. yeah it was the it was the first animated movie they did after um, Apocalypse War. Yeah, so Apocalypse oh, War, okay. they essentially killed off everybody. And then Superman, Man of Tomorrow is sort of like the, the rebirth of the DC universe. The DCAU. I'll, yeah. I'll have to. It's not bad. Is, is that the one where he fights um, where he fights uh, Parasite? Yes. yes. Okay. I remember it now. All right. Yeah, it, you're right. It's not bad. And, and the animation was, was all right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is what it is. Um, you know, uh, I, I I'm curious to see how some of these uh, you know direct to video projects and what have you that they're doing for DC animated are are going to play with the overall the overarching ideas that are being put forth moving past like this year you know with the Flash and Blue Beetle and Aquaman. Yeah, yeah, like if it's gonna work for those. Yeah, uh, I I do feel that. Focusing on on giving life, in a manner of speaking, to uh, those those alternate reality tales is a great uh, alternative to setting up animated movies with these characters and not having to worry about how you're going to interconnect them. Because by their nature, they are standalone. You know, and they definitely dipped their toes in the water when they did the the Justice League Gods and Monsters animated movie, uh, where they they gave us these like slightly, you know, <laughs> off versions of Batman, Superman, and like Wonder Woman, uh, and it was pretty well received. And I think that's why we're starting to see so many of these types of projects being given the green light. Um, it's, you know, and if we're, and if we're going to 
if we're going to do like Batman stuff and we're going to have like those alternate reality tales, uh, I also want to see if they're going to do them. Don't just be beholden to the story in the comic in and of itself. If there is an improvement, a genuine improvement that can be made because hindsight is 2020. There's a genuine improvement that can be made to the source material while doing this, then fucking do it. Like, for example, Batman in Darkest Night. If you're going to make that into a DC animated movie, okay. Take a look at what worked in that comic book. And then genuinely, within context for the story, fix the stuff that didn't. Yeah, that, that can only get better in a different form that's updated, I feel. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just as long as it's as long as the story, the core of the story is the same and there's like still a like similar result at the end um, that, that I'm just using that as, as, a, as an example, because like the great concept and kind of piss poor execution with within that story. Uh, but there's you could see the elements like the disparate elements like, oh, man, it's like it's not as great as the sum of its parts. Yeah. And, you know, with something like this, it, it's a it's a it's another fun like dip in the toe. Like, how far can we go with an alternate reality Batman in in these types of projects? Because uh, Gotham by Gaslight, it's very straightforward in its representation saying like, hey, it's Batman. But it's Batman in the Victorian era. And it's like you said, they made a period piece that was a film noir kind of ask type thing. And they didn't just make a superhero movie. You know, it's yeah. like you were saying, saying earlier, it's like, okay, this is a detective story, but it's what's going on, you know, and you get to know Bruce Wayne and then he becomes Batman. And then it's, it's Selena Kyle and the cock Robins as they called them. And, yeah. you know, like all that stuff. So it's, it's very different than this one in that. And I, I love that one. I love that animation. It's one of my favorites actually. So, you know, yeah. um, but it's, I, it's I, very I, different I it. than this. Yeah, for sure. Um, but it, it, it does show that, that they have a willingness to look at some of the weirder stuff and, and, you know, decide on, okay, we're going to, we're going to put this out there. I, I mean, I know you want to make these things. So both children and adults that are fans, can dig in. Um, I do. I do think that there's more in a story like this that could be done to play up the, the horror of everything that's occurring. And it still would be okay for, for kids to see. I mean, kids like, you know, there's stuff to have like a little bit of a scary edge to it. Like generally speaking, like a melting crock. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, it's just like, you know, you think about the brothers Grimm, you know, those, those stories are all, I mean, they, they have longevity. They're, they're long lived and they've lasted for as long as they have for, you know, a very good reason. They are quality compiled storytelling. However, they did not shy away from those stories also showing the the other side of the coin for the world. You know, there's there are good people and there is light and there is warmth, but 
there are also bad people and darkness and and coldness you know in in it's important for kids to like have a balance and you can do it in a safe way especially with like a character like batman who's a clearly defined good guy um you don't have to i don't think it's necessary to to eschew the the scarier elements of such a project um simply to homogenize it to the point where it's it's acceptable for the entire family you know the entire family could watch a movie like this with a little bit more to it because it's still just a cartoon and if you're an adult watching it with a kid anyway good because you should be able to talk through it with them answer any questions that you're capable of and if you can't hey let's look this up together let's let's make it less scary let's make it make sense for you you know that's there's opportunities there across the board that are far more far reaching than just what's on the screen. Uh, and you know, I, I hope they shy away from, from, you know, sort of the way my view of it was like sort of self editing as they were going along, you know, they didn't, it doesn't seem like they finished what, they wrote to do it. It's like they were writing it and they're like, Oh no, wait, I can't do that. And then we continue on from like, Oh no, I can't do that. I got to tweak it. Oh, I got to get rid of this instead of going through the thing as a whole and saying like, this might be a bit much, or how about we change this? And they, they just, they really got bare bones. Okay. Batman, bad magic, uh, villains who you might kind of recognize, but it's now all because of like the great old ones in Cthulhu or Yogg Sothoth, whatever the fuck you want to say. <laughs> and and that's that like they they just go very a to b to c and, and there's there's no like i said there's no breathing room they don't linger on anything they don't let the mystery um have room to expand and become like sort of a, a panoramic all-encompassing issue slash problem that batman is obsessing on finding the 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 answer to the solution to uh, I feel like that was something that was really missing in this animation was the they said it, but they didn't they didn't display it with Batman just being like, I'm rational and I like science. This doesn't make sense because magic is stupid and doesn't exist. It's like, all right, man, but like, show us your frustrations, like show us you coming up against things that absolutely cause you to challenge your own fucking worldview we it was very superficial very surface when it came to like that particular thing and for the character of batman especially as he's portrayed in this era for this story like that the ball was dropped he 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 most certainly would have been would have been all about Nope, there's a reasonable explanation for this. And we didn't even get to see him posit what reasonable explanation there could have been for any of the things. And I feel like that's exactly the kind of shit you would see Batman doing while he's essentially spinning out is is trying to rationalize everything and like explaining it, not even so much for whomever it is he's talking with at the moment, like Alfred or Dick or whomever, but for himself. 
and, and instead it was very it was just very glossy it was like a play in a lot of aspects because it was like the way it went out, you, you would expect that there would be a narrator or something that would kind of fill you in. But it, it just, it's like you said, it's like he spent so much time in his head, but we as the audience didn't have the benefit of seeing his inner monologue. So I, I, yeah. I totally understand where you're coming from. Yeah. I, 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 I like this one, but I totally agree with you. And, and you that's know? why I'm saying like you could have him like I said, you know, spinning his wheels and, and spinning out and utilizing another one of the characters that are in on the fact that he's Batman, such as Alfred or Dick or, or Kylie, you know, you know, and saying what he thinks, like what this, what this likely is. This is what it really is. Like he's explaining it to them, but really it's very clear that he's, he's actually saying it for his own benefit. Not so much, not so much theirs um, that you, you could have done that. And, it, you know, it, it would have worked wonders. Uh, and instead, it, he, he legitimately was just like, I believe in science. And like, that was it. Like, OK. Do you think they use sins of the father enough? <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> I did say that. I, I did say that to, to Dara. I was like, I swear to God, if. If I hear them say sins of the father five or six more times, I'm out of here. <laughs> That's like what they're saying with comedy. It's the rule of three or the rule of 14 or something like oh that. It's like you either do it three times and it works or you have I, to do it 14 times. I actually, I like halfway through the movie, like they, I think they got up to like number five, the, the fifth time they said it. And I turned to Darren. I was like, oh, you know what it is? Um they have to say that repeatedly. It was a trade-off because I don't think I'm going to get a scene in an alley that's known for crime that shows Bruce's parents getting permanently ventilated, um, which is a shame because, like, once again, I kind of forget why he's Batman, and that that would really help me understand his motivation. <laughs> There, there was really not much of a motivation on him becoming Batman, but they like discussed it. They're like, "You, the man who went and trained everywhere and all that." And yeah. I'm like, "Okay, all right." But yeah, we, I mean, we did at least get to see his parents die again. You know, we they gave us that. That was in the flashback when he's talking to yeah. uh, his dad, right? Yep. His oh, dad. Oh, really? And that was new too. Talking to his dad, the ghost. You know. My brain skipped out on that part. Apparently, yeah, because it wasn't a gun; it was uh, a knife. Yeah, it was that night from uh, St. Sebastian, uh, the one stained uh, with the blood of St. Sebastian. So it's like, yeah, so there, there like was that aspect, but it was like, then there was the big plot twist. It's like, oh, it was Oliver Queen's father the whole time. <laughs> yeah, whoop de do. Well, it, yeah, and they really glanced on, you know, like uh, that premonition he had, you know, uh, with the class. Yeah. But like they should have expanded more on that as well. Yeah. Um, I did think it was cool that the uh, the doctor that uh, Harvey Dent went to go see when he started to develop a really nasty case of <clears throat> poison ivy, uh, <laughs> which of course ends up actually being like a full blown like body horror grotesquerie where he's, yeah like, that was growing. rough. <laughs> um, but the doctor that he goes to see for his his unexplained rash, his sudden rash, his his rash development of a rash. Um, was Dr. Herbert West, who is the uh, protagonist from H.P. Lovecraft's Reanimator. Uh, so 
like little things peppered in here and there. It was, it was, it was pretty cool. Um, but you know, for, for me, I think on a scale like one to five, I'd probably give this like a 3.5, That's not, it's not terrible. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not saying it's bad. It did leave me lamenting or maybe lamenting is not the right word, but it left me yearning for just a little bit more. You know, it's like, it's like somebody, and maybe this might be a very specifically uh Northeast thing. So I'm very sorry for the fucking three people that live outside of the Northeast that are listening to this. <laughs> um, but it's like being given a hoodsie ice cream cup. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. And like, I'm a grown ass man. And if you give me a hoodsie ice cream cup, ha- you know, it's a you know little plastic cup with a, a cardboard top that you peel off and you can get a spoon. Or if you're, if you're industrious, you just fold the, the paper cover from it and use that as your spoon. That one's a, that's another they used one. They have those kids. wooden sticks that they the wooden, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they do sell them with like a, a band of wax paper packaged, um, wooden like sample stick spoon things. But I'm a grown man, and if you hand me a hoodsie, I will rip that bad boy open and fucking eat it. But that's the thing is like two bites later, and I'm like, oh, yeah, um, Okay, so you are right. You did give me ice cream. This was a dessert <laughs> in a manner of speaking. However, I just remembered that it's going to take a little bit more than this to satiate slash fill me up. And and that's kind of the sensation I get from from this particular animated project. Like it's it's. It could have been full blown classic formula out of Mexico made with real sugar Coca Cola. And what I got was an ice cold glass of Coke Zero. Okay. Nothing I, wrong with that. <laughs> You're a Diet Coke guy, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will I will kick you out of this podcast. <laughs> So I, I get where you're coming from, Brandon. Absolutely. I, I bought it. I bought the, the the Blu-ray and all that. I think that what this really benefits from is that it's better than average when mm. it comes to these things because of what we've seen. Like, especially when it's like if you if you consider the dregs at the beginning of this year where we had Catwoman hunted oh. and Injustice, where it's like a back to back bummer. You know, and then it's like, all right, like, what do we have to deal with now? We got Super Sons, and that was awesome. You know, and we got Green Lantern, and that was really cool because it's a character you don't usually see. And it's even if it's not the best story, who cares? Because you don't even know the story. And to your point, to to your point, like, just what I was saying a little while ago, characters that we're not used to seeing as as well as a big part of it. Yeah. And, And the Batman stories are fun, but, like, there are other stories out there that are etrigan etrigan has been in every other one of these lately i know so it's like all right yeah (laughs) like yeah yeah, it's not like i'm sick of him or anything else like that but it's it's not like you're not breaking new ground you know it's like you're you're just like tilling up the soil and seeing if this other onion's gonna grow or something so it's like exactly yeah And, and and i i i mean i feel like 
this is a step in the right direction for for what they want to do animation wise they they can keep themselves separated from the larger continuity that is going to be established very very soon because these are all based on an imaginary tale (laughs) yeah yeah they can play with that and they they don't have to worry about how it affects any other portion of any other story that's great it really is um, and they need to start leaning into the Elseworlds branding, like actually utilizing it for projects like this. So people understand like the the weirdness inherent to a lot of those particular types of stories. Um, and the fun thing is you can do different kinds of things with the different types of stories, like the approach, the 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 humor like the what we were talking about um before like you had mentioned justin we were talking about before we started recording the show tonight um you know these need to be genre stories first and then you look at me oh yeah and that's right in the main character happens to be you know the flash you know it, it needs to it needs to focus on the type of story it wants to tell and then work on the incidental portions of like what the character slash who the character is, you know, imagine getting like a film noir that is about Barry Allen. Wouldn't it make sense? He, he is literally one of the few people in the justice league, let's say that fights crime in a red suit while using super speed and fights crime when he's not. That's the life he dedicated himself to long before he ever got superpowers. You know, that, like, why why not have a Flash story that really, like, leans into the fact that he is a fucking, he's a cop. He is a, he is a scientist detective. And, you know, I'm just saying, like, there are different things that can be looked at, different facets and and those things accentuated. And then it's just incidental, like, oh, and also he has a ring that was given to him by a bunch of space gods to be part of an intergalactic police force. Oh, oh, okay, that old chestnut. Gotcha. (laughs) Do you think that this this uh, animation, this story, anything else like that would have worked better with just like as a Hellboy book rather than like Batman? I, I kind of feel like it would because you could just meld everything together and you don't have to get into the backstory about all this. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's exactly what Hellboy exists for yeah. is to tell this type of story. I mean, the main, the main difference is Hellboy doesn't really have like a, a vested um, connection to any one particular place yeah like Gotham. yeah that is a good point um but that being said like it's okay because mike mignola he he told this story because he wanted to tell it as a batman story in the comic books if he had wanted to do it in hellboy he could have he could have figured out and finagled and finessed um he clearly had a what he felt was a fun tale to tell Involving two things he clearly really enjoys. Batman and H.P. Lovecraft. Tales. Yeah, that is very true. <laughs> you know, he just. And he, squid tentacles. <laughs> well, I just said H.P. Lovecraft <laughs> tales. Um, so, well, like, 
you know, there's there's a lot to there's a lot to play with, but I think with this one it it's sort of and I understand it's DC animation, so yeah, Batman, he's going to be front and center on a Batman project. However, maybe Batman should have been a lateral move or a half step back and the Lovecraftian portion should have been a focal point because the Batman part, like that's easy enough. That's plug and play. Like we know how Batman operates across any number of stories, regardless of them being alternate tales, you know, Batman's going to Batman. And what we didn't know can't take for granted. Just assume is how everything else with the, the, you know, the great old ones. And I can't, I, I keep saying Yogg Sothoth, but, and that actually is like a great old one from Lovecraft, but I don't think that was, actually none of us the, can correct you. We, <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, you know, I'll say it was like Yogg Sothoth or something like that. And, you know, like we don't, if you're not incredibly well versed in, in Lovecraftian lore and what have you, uh, I, I just have like the most basic, understanding and background on that shit but like that's the stuff that needed to be touched upon and explained and expanded a bit more you know and i think i think trying to take some more time to focus on even briefly uh, some of the interpersonal relationships within bruce wayne's world at, in gotham um it should have served the the overall like impending doom of of you know the titular doom of the tale uh it never really felt like there was doom coming to gotham yeah no i i understand that yeah you know but but that being said like i say i give it like a 3.75 that's not a bad score cuz like injustice and um Catwoman hunted those are fucking 1.5 to 1.75 really tough getting over that injustice animation it is just so displeasing and i i love anson mount as batman i i like that's the one thing that i took from there and uh kevin pollock as the joker come on man come on you know like i'll I'll tell you those all day i'll tell you in all honesty i i am like the we I mentioned him earlier, um, and who knows what'll happen now? You know, I'm saying it, I'm putting it out into the ether. Let's let's see how the universe responds. But quite frankly, uh, I've I've actually been thinking for a while now uh, that for the Joker, especially if they're doing Brave and the Bold, like they're keeping it separate from Matt Reeves' movies, which which is fine. You can do that. Um. David Dasmalshian. Yeah, why not? I think that guy would be a fucking great Joker. He's already established that people know his face. They like him. He's popular. He's good to work with. You know, he's he's creative. Why not? He's got the right physicality for it. Hmm? He's probably yeah. a little short for for Joker, but still, you know. Oh, is he? Yeah, Joker's canonically six foot five. Is he really? Yeah, seriously. That's that's why he gives Batman such trouble in the animated series and all that. Oh shit. I I never ever knew that. 
Yeah, I, he's, I, he's tall. I always thought that he was he was like kind of lanky. Oh, he's he's six feet. Okay, but still, I mean, I, I, I like him. Six one. He's six one. So he's not too far off. I mean, well, you get an apple box. Yeah. <laughs> fucking dude, if we can have Henry Cavill at six foot nothing as fucking Superman, we can I, 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 enough another. I mean, what? Wh- how tall was Heath Ledger? Probably he was probably a fucking. He was the same height as David Desmalchian, six one. So and and, and huh, Christian Bale was six foot. Well, <laughs> I, I tell you, that's the thing. Like, if there was ever a DC multiverse, you know, and and you know. Heath Ledger had survived. That would have been the coolest thing ever to see, like that crazy Joker versus, like, oh, we put oh, him yeah. into a multiverse movie. Holy shit, man! That that would give me friggin' tingling goosebumps. So I would have loved to see that. I'm I'm curious to see what what they're gonna do at some point if they even try to touch upon three Jokers. Yeah, I I would have to imagine it'd be animated if they did. You know who I would love to see? Oh. Oh man! All right, I'll tell you guys after. And I'll I'll tell you now. It uh, happened about an hour ago. They reported Gordon Lightfoot passed away. Ah, oh, that's sad. And, and yeah. I know he was he was very advanced age. So yeah, Canada's um, own uh, Gordon Lightfoot. But if you if you're gonna have three Jokers, even in animated, you, you know you know who I, I think would be really interesting picks. For for that character slash those three characters, just bear with me here. I I know you guys are the the bat freaks, but I think there's something to it. The Culkin brothers. That'd be interesting. Even even like uh, live action, that would be interesting. Yeah, is there, Macaulay, is there a third one? Macaulay, Kieran, and Rory. I don't know Rory. Um. Did you watch uh, Castle Rock at all? No, I, I have no idea who Rory Culkin is. Um, I mean, we'll you've you've seen Macaulay and Kieran, so you're halfway fucking there. <laughs> like, yeah, they, they there's no denying that they're siblings. Um, he, oh, he was Signs. He was the son in Signs. I got, I'm gonna look him up. Okay, let me see what he looks like. Oh, I get you. Wow, he's got such an angular face. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would say have Macaulay, Kieran, and Rory Culkin play the three Jokers. Like they all look just like similar enough, well, and have yeah, he's continued to work. Huh. Similar enough voices, but like they could all play like that different aspect. You know, like I, I think that would be. I think that would be really interesting, and especially because like. They actually, regardless of what anybody thinks about like Home Alone and shit like that, Macaulay Culkin is a talented actor. He's and, an amazing uh, actor, absolutely. Yeah, and so is so is Karen. Karen's um, way better than any of them. He's he's like the, he's it's like the Afflecks where he's like he's like one of them's clearly better than the other. Yeah. You can pick. <laughs> I I still haven't watched Succession. I haven't oh. either. Yeah, I, I've heard it's good, but I've not seen it. I'm it's the last season right now. They're like halfway through it and uh, they made a choice in this last season and I'm not going to spoil it for you or anybody else's thing, but they made a choice in this last season, which 
threw me for a loop, which does not happen often when I watch anything. And even after it occurred, I was just like, I don't, I, they've, they've completely fucked me up. I have no compass now. I, I don't know where, I don't know where they're going. I don't know what they're doing. And Daryl's like, yeah, welcome to the fucking human condition, shithead. <laughs> this is what it's like when most of us watch movies and television shows. We don't know where it's going next. I'm like, yeah, but I have I have no desire to view entertainment such as you mere mortals do. I want <laughs> I, I want when you remove his cosmic cube. Yeah, that's <laughs> dude, like seriously, I feel like I feel like Captain Marvel if you stripped away his fucking cosmic awareness. I'm just like I I feel like I feel like I've lost a sense. Well, because you have. Oh, yeah. I guess that that tracks. Then could I have it back now, please? Like I just follow patterns, and I'm I'm really good at it. I'm really really good at it. And this shit happened in this last season, and I was just like, but but the but the roadmap, like the pattern, it didn't show me any of this. This was this wasn't even on my radar. I didn't have any of this on my bingo card. (laughs) That's your, that's your problem. You didn't look for, um, you must die to save Gotham and then Gotham must burn. That's your problem. Yeah. Yeah. Right there. He would have seen it. If you, you you know, you totally missed it. Uh, The burning ghost. (laughs) No. uh, Did we read it here or was it splash pages? Uh, It was a Superman story. And at the end, Lex, like he sees like how Superman sees everything. Oh, it's All Star Superman. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You could, you could, that would have been a perfect reference. That was such I, a fun animation. I like. I mean, that. I feel like I feel like I still made a perfect reference. Yeah, you did, but because because I'm you being the Superman, like. Well, uh, well, I'm, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm also I am also a big fan of Peter David's run on Captain Marvel. Because if you've never read it, I highly recommend it. It's fucking bug nuts insane, and I I love that shit. Is that um, Marvel? That one or uh Genis. It's Genis. Oh, Genis. Okay. Genis Vell. Um and you know, he has, he's got the Nega bands clang them together. He switches places. Uh he comes to our world, he comes to our reality. Uh and then Rick Jones gets bumped all the way back to the microverse. And then when they bang again, switch places again. Rick Man. Jones loves it when he gets banged over to the fucking microverse because he's a huge rock star in the microverse. And every single time he comes back from the quantum bands or the nega bands, however you want to refer to them, you know, getting clang. He's like, oh, cool. I guess I go be- better go find a temp job now then. Great. Not a lot of uh, things for a... Uh motorcycle driving mullet wearing a failed rock musician from the seventies. You know, it's like, yeah, well, I mean, that's actually, like I said, like that's actually one of the most fun parts about Peter David's um, run on Captain Marvel is the fact that he, it really becomes like a whole big, like cosmic awareness, like sensory thing. And how Janice Vell is, he, he's basically kind of going crazy because he inherited that cosmic awareness that Marvell had had. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's, he's got no one to fucking guide him through it. And it's having, you know, all the, the forces of the universe amplify themselves and amplify every other voice throughout the universe through your consciousness. So it's, um, yeah, he's he's uh, he's he's 
dealing with some shit. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's, it's really great though. Like if, if you're into like high, higher concept, like psycho super science, like psychological super science, um, sort of Hugh Star Trek esque, you know, where it can, it can really like, you know, sort of the snake eating its tail kind of thing. Uh, I, I started reading it and I was hooked like instantaneously. Um, but yeah, like that's the way I felt when, when I was sitting there and, and watched this, this newest season so far of succession, I was, I felt like somebody had, had stripped me of my, my cosmic awareness. And it now just, I felt blind. Like, I don't know how to operate. Like, can I, can I walk out the front door and, and go to my car if I don't have cosmic awareness? Yeah, you can do that. But how do I know if the car is going to start before I get there? Well, y- you don't. You just assume it will. But what if it doesn't? I I don't know what you're looking for here, buddy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> can I play the piano anymore? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it can happen. It could not yeah. happen. I guess you're going to have to roll the dice. Yes, but how do I know what number the dice will fall on if I don't have my cosmic awareness, all right, I feel like you're missing the point. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, they, it's an excellent show. Um, I don't necessarily lean towards like high drama, but uh, it, it, it's excellent. I hope that the actor Jeremy Strong in it gets more work after it because first of all, like, you know, nothing like seeing a hometown Massachusetts boy get up there and, and be recognized for his talents. Um, but he, he honestly, I mean, for me personally, I, I think it goes like Brian Cox, Jeremy Strong, Kieran Culkin, Sarah Snook. Like the, <laughs> the girl. No, well, no, no, no. She's great. She she really is. It's not really. A no, I'm just saying you're the only one who knew her name. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, well, she was in a great. I, I knew her before the show because she was in a. Uh, uh, um, a, a science fiction movie starring uh, her and Ethan Hawke called Predestination, and it's um it's a time travel movie, and it's it's fucked. Uh, it's <laughs> it, 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 that's the best way for me to put it. It's fucked. Um, but also maybe, maybe in, that'll be something we can look for on Pluther. Yeah, and it, Predestination, man. I'm telling you, it, it 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 by the time you get to the end of it, you'll be like, I can't. What? Okay. Uh, how? I just sure. Um, what? Yeah. I made it through existence so I could watch anything. Yeah. I mean, more power to you, buddy. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see what you think. When you, let's see what you think when you watch predestination. <laughs> <You'll>... <laughs> My science project. There's now you this... just throw it out. In the movies. Yeah. Now you're just taking random things, <laughs> phrases and throwing them out there. I think that was a John um, Hughes. I don't know, but, but yeah, uh, that that show I, I I cannot recommend enough. And you know, part of the reason why why I, I'm like talking about it having having it it having been brought up, that's one that really focuses on story and character. You understand motivations. It's clear to see how a character is thinking without them explicitly stating it. Um, it really speaks to not just the writing, but the performances. I think you can get the same thing in any medium from, for a Batman story, especially one such as, as the type that, that, you know, we're, we're discussing tonight. So, you know, there's, I think there's little things. It's always easier to like Monday morning quarterback it 
and and you know hindsighted up um but you know that being said i i hope this is a, another um i hope it, they meet a, a good measure of success with it but i really do hope that they are looking at best practices for for these types of of tales um well, I, I think we'll get, you know, we'll definitely see some, some changes in DC as, uh, you know, James Gunn and uh, Saffron, you know, reshuffle the cards, you know, so so I'm I'm hopeful, you know, you figure animation takes a long time to uh, create. So this has yeah, probably true. been in the works for a while. So, uh, yeah, hopefully next uh, after the next couple uh, next one's going to be Justice League War World. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So we're thinking Mongol? Maybe. <laughs> uh, Jeez, I hope they get Michael Ironside. That'd be amazing. Voice cast includes Jensen Ackles as Batman. That um, I heard, yep. Stana Kaddick as Wonder Woman. Oh, Stana Kaddick. Darren Chris as Superman. Nice. Oh. Ike Amadi as Martian Manhunter. Yep. Troy, Troy Baker as uh, Jonah Hex. Nice. Matt Boomer as old man. Oh, Boomer. Boomer Bomber. Boomer. <laughs> the guy, I mean, this is like the umpteenth uh, friggin' DC role for him, too. He yeah, yeah, Doom. a lot of them. He plays Negative Man on Doom Patrol. Yeah. He's also voiced Superman previously in, in an animated project. He was this close to playing Superman before Brandon Routh was cast. He's too oh. handsome to play him. Robin That's what Atkin, I said. Yeah. Uh, Robin Atkin Downs is Mongol. Okay. And uh, Frank Grillo is Agent Faraday. Ah, uh, yes, I did know Frank Grillo uh, was going to be in it because, um, he he's also been cast uh, in Creature Commando. Yeah. Uh, I don't is... think he's as good as actor as a lot of people think he is. He, I, I don't I've really know a lot of stuff. In... So he, did you he, watch that Lamborghini movie, guys? <laughs> Holy crap! No. Oh, the, uh, yeah. the no. time travel one. No, he they they tried to do this thing with like the founder of Lamborghini, and he was oh. the main character and all that. Oh god! I've it. seen him do like like some of these travel shows and stuff. He did one for like like uh, like boxing and fighting and stuff like that. And it's like, I mean, I saw him in that movie. This was it, the Savior or whatever. Uh, the the one with uh, Maggie Q. And all that, and um, I, I just, I get the feeling that the guy has like one speed, you know. And and I mean, I feel like we saw it, and it's like, all right, you're not John Barenthal, and I think people are expecting you to be John Barenthal, you know. Do yourself a favor, I, I, what the hell is the name of that movie? He did a movie, unfortunately, with Mel Gibson, but uh, was it dragged across pavement? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, oh, I'm serious. That was a movie that. Oh, oh, was it no, Fat no. Man? No, 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 no. Um, no, it's like it, it's a mixture of um, it's a time travel type of movie. It's kind of like um, frequency. It's kind of like Fra Fra Frank Grillo. Yeah, it's Groundhog Day meets uh, an action movie. Damn, this is like the most informative thing. <laughs> it is really good. All right, let me see. I I will look that maybe boss level, know. boss level. That's it. Yes. Okay. That oh, it was a Hulu original film. 
Yeah. Oh, that okay. Was so I can watch it. Surprisingly, really good. Oh, it was directed by Joe Carnahan. Uh, he did uh, Smoke and Aces and the A Team movie. What if he played Brock Rumlow? <laughs> <laughs> Cop yeah. Shop. Actually, I've been meaning to watch Cop Shop. Uh, let's see. Yes. Oh, that's what it was. Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard is what I saw him in. And I'm just like, yeah. Yeah. And right, I've so, seen Jiu-Jitsu. So, okay, so okay. boss level. Trapped in a time loop that constantly repeats the day of his murder, a former Special Forces agent must unlock the mystery behind his untimely demise. So it's Edge of Tomorrow. I, I've still never seen that movie, so it'll be new. Oh, well, I mean, uh, yeah. Edge of Tomorrow is a good one, man. Very good. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, the, it's the best video game movie that was not actually based on a video game. Uh, it, pretty much uh, at that point in time ever. <laughs> I liked, uh, was it Oblivion? Was the, the space one that he did? I liked that one, didn't Tom Cruise, but. I, I'm curious about this because we, we kind of glanced over this. Leo, we didn't hear your thoughts on what you thought of the Doom that came to Gotham. So the animation definitely saved it. Um, the story was a little soft. Um, so we all but, kind of landed in the same spot. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Brandon, you're totally influencing us. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Dance puppets, dance! <laughs> I don't think it would have been like this a year ago, but you never know. Yeah, it's hey, there's nothing wrong with with uh, you know critical thinking, boys. I'm just I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, the whole you know Batman supernatural stories. Um, I, I I don't really love them. You know, it, it's well, they, they, they don't really meld for me. You know, here, here's the thing. I mean, you know, Batman. Like, especially for, for guys like you. All right. I mean, I mean, obviously like me too, cause I, I'm, I'm a fucking nerd, but you know, for the most part, it's very easy to, to understand the bare bones of Batman. So you don't need to like reinvent the wheel when it comes to that. And we still saw that happen in this animated project. I understand you have to have some access point for like, well, what if somebody's never seen a Batman thing? Before? Like, if somebody's never seen a Batman thing before, sure, I get it. But also, like on the other side of that, why on earth would you let? Why on earth would they pick Batman: The Doom that came to Gotham as the first fucking thing? Like that just doesn't make any sense. Um, so I think there's certain things that inherently you can understand like yeah somebody's gonna watch this because they know and like batman yeah as it is um so the fo- when i'm doing laundry you know yeah the like, focal, I watched it like three times like, the focal point the driving point should have been the thing that was different about this batman story and that is the lovecraftian tale unfolding you know that there should have been more noir to it more more detective work um and aside from quite frankly aside from them showing in in the cartoon showing a a barrel of booze being dumped out in a curb there was no indication that it was the 20s yeah Yeah. well except for the the car that could have been the 30s you know what i mean i'm just saying like specifically prohibition 
especially when you, you do that, don't really make a big deal out of it and then still show Oliver Queen getting sauced regularly. And the fact that they keep referring to the Batcave as a wine cellar. Yeah. You know, like, all right, all right. I mean, not for nothing, but even at the time of Prohibition, it didn't matter if you were, like, rich. <laughs> if you had booze, you, you, you needed to get rid of it. You had to, like, after the fact, figure out a way to hide it. But if you if you were somebody that was known for having stores of it, you were SOL. You know, that's a large part of the reason why so many fucking rich people were were so put out when that stuff occurred. And there you have all the queen, like just no problem, still has all his supply and he's he's getting smushed left and right. Like, all right. I mean, well, unless you're Nookie Thompson and uh, oh, Nookie, you know? yeah. Is that Boardwalk Empire? Boardwalk yeah. Empire, yeah. Jeez, I think I watched like three episodes of it. It gets really good. Yeah, that's that's a. Good I, one. I I I had to stop watching it just because I was I was bitter. I was I was very very bitter about HBO at that point in time. They canceled like one of my all time favorite shows, and they cited the expense of <laughs> this. Fucking killed me. One of the main reasons was they cited the expense of making it look like the Dust Bowl slash the 1930s on a regular basis. And then they fucking had Boardwalk Empire. And I'm like, well, but but the 20s, that? no big deal. And that's fine. We was got that, that. Was that Carnival? Carnival. Yep. One of the one of the best shows I've ever seen. Um, funny enough, the there was all kinds of setup and interweaving and complex layered storytelling and it was all going to culminate it was a it was a classic story of good versus evil and the two guys who were the showrunner slash creator and head writer went on to create a couple of couple of like kind of small shows like I, I think maybe a couple of people might have heard of them uh you know the blacklist and Battlestar Galactica on sci-fi. Yeah, they left Carnival dejected by HBO and then went to create two either long running or just straight up critically acclaimed stories that for the most part, I can't really speak to the quality of the blacklist any longer, but they they were still going. Yeah. Uh, Wow. It's it's jumped to sharks so many times. It, yeah. It's but it, but initially that show was clearly geared towards something specific. In the beginning, it was incredible. That's yeah. why we got hooked on it. And but yeah, Ron Moore was one of the driving forces behind Carnival. And the creator of Carnival, Daniel Knopf, is the one that went on to do the blacklist. Hmm. But like, you t- you show me Battlestar Galactica after the fact. And then show me that he was the one that was like working like crazy on the fucking series Bible with Daniel Knopf at HBO. And I was, and it's just like, so like just at the, at the fucking base level here, what you're telling me is the people at HBO is a bunch of fucking morons. That's, that's really, really what it comes down to. Like that's it's like too, too so yeah, it's yeah. too expensive. We can't do it. But, but Atlantic city, uh, in prohibition, the suits and the cars. What the fuck is that? Well, 
Steve Buscemi's in this. I don't know. <laughs> I, I understand your bitterness. Um, I enjoy it a lot, you know, and it's uh, it's incredibly brutal. I like, uh, was it Dabney Coleman that was in it? Was Dabney yeah. Coleman in it? Yeah, actually. I believe. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's amazing. Oh, the, the, the dude that got half his face shot off. Oh, yeah. He's oh, in that. Jack Houston? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, b- I believe that's who it is. But yeah, because uh, I I saw him in that that movie poster with um, uh, was it uh, Bruce Willis or something? And I'm like, oh crap, he did that with the Tin Man. Yeah, I knew exactly <laughs> who he was. So there's there's some stuff in that that stays with you. It has got some just big brutality to it. So it's like wow, you know. Yeah, that dude. That dude's like what third or fourth generation acting family. You know, because you know Jack Houston, you know. Angelica, right? Angelica and Danny Houston are his aunt and uncle. And because, you know, they're they they come from a long running acting family. It's like the Barrymores Uh, from the Houston Houston's. Oh, the Houston Houston's. Indeed. (laughs) The Astros or the Oilers. (laughs) That's a throwback (laughs) there. So. Yeah, um, but yeah, John Houston um, is is their father. Angelica and, and Danny are, are half siblings, but um, yeah, like they and they they John Houston spent all kinds of fucking time all throughout Europe. So like his kids either grew up in like Ireland or Italy at any given moment, um, and that's actually how Angelica Houston, uh, when she was considerably younger, she knew of all of uh, Charles Adams's comic strips for the Adams family, because they, they had a collected book that they kept and it was their bathroom reading. It was always, it was always in the, uh, on like the back of the toilet on the cistern. Um, More Tisha. Yeah. (laughs) Good stuff. Uh, But yeah. So uh, I, 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 I will say like what I saw, it was, quality um it was just i i was so mad at the network in and of itself that i like couldn't i couldn't watch i was like offended as a fan of something and hearing that their reasoning for it it's like how do you fucking say that in the same breath as but be sure to tune in this week (laughs) to i wonder if that's also uh around the time of the writer strike too did that have anything to do with it no no, unfortunately, as no. before that, huh? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you though, it's two seasons, Justin. And if you, if you watched it, I I I will say like by the time you get to the end of it, you would be like, and that's a that's a great like horror character driven type story. Like, there's good evil, there's creepy stuff, but it's always focused on the characters and in the, the narrative. And uh, by the time you get to the end of the second season. If you watch it, you will come back to me and you'll be like, you will likely say two things. Thank you for telling me to watch this. And also, fuck you for telling me to watch this. <laughs> I've seen the first season. I haven't seen the second. So, Oh, bro. I, like, I liked it a lot uh, when fan- I saw the first season. Fantastic. So. Brown's I can, amazing. I can say this much to yeah. you then. I can say this much to you. That first season, it's prologue. That entire first season, what and you realize this once you started in the second season, it was prologue. It was all there just so they could start 
actually telling the story in season two. And I was like elated when that occurred. I was like, what? They threw me a curveball. I fucking swing and whiffed. This is this is amazing. But yeah. I just like that there was a main character named Justin, so which never happens. So Brother Justin, yes, yep. indeed, indeed. <laughs> um, but yeah, like and and that that's the type of thing that you know we're talking about in regards to um you know Batman Doom the King of Gotham. Like you can have these these different elements that that speak to certain types of storytelling. So long as you keep the focus on the the thing that differentiates it from every other type of story containing the same character for the most part, then you're going to end up with something that's that's uh, not just special, but uh, seemingly more worth the time of individuals that are, are willing to sit down and, and have in front of their face. Um, so with this one, you know, room for improvement, but yeah. It's it's just weird that we're all in the same agreement, and and I think I think you hit the nail right in the head, man. I I would say go out and see it. You know, I bought it. I don't regret buying it. I'll watch it again, but it's not my favorite. And it's far from the bottom of the barrel. Far. Yeah. You know, oh, but it's yeah. it's above average. You know, it's something yeah. Like well, I do laundry. Yeah, it, it it's not bad, and, and especially if if you're someone who, as I as I mentioned, like if you if you grew up. You know, I'm I'm 41 years old, and so if you grew up in the 80s and going into the 90s, having watched or been exposed to Reanimator, Bride of Reanimator, From Beyond, Castle Freak, uh, and then you know just a pe- a couple years ago by Richard Stanley, uh, Colorado Space, then uh, there's going to be enough in this uh, this particular animated project that references those other Lovecraft adaptations that you can, you can have like a fun little semi, I guess, literary Easter egg hunt as you go through the, the, the entirety of the cartoon. Uh, so, you know, if you, if you're a horror, if you're a horror uh, fan, uh, even if, even if you're an aficionado uh, and you also like Batman, then this is going to be right up your alley. And I've seen absolutely none of those. Yeah, yeah. So clearly I was not fucking talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, on that note, I think we should wrap things up. I want to thank everybody for watching this fine evening. And uh, we were talking about Batman, the doom that came to Gotham. You know, definitely check it out. You know, let us know what you thought. And uh, we'll kick it off with Brandon. Hey, everybody. I am Brandon Powers, a.k.a. Powerful Brandon, here at the Dorkening Podcast Network. Uh, if you want to check me out on social media, uh, please do so. On Twitter, it's at Brandon's Powers. And on Instagram, it's at this Brandon has powers. Uh, if you want to come over to Facebook, check out the Powers Combined group. Uh, we're just a consortium of geeks, nerds, dorks uh, that love to share news, info, memes, jokes, good times, and laughs to be had by all. Our number one rule there is don't be a jerk. If you violate that, you will be booted immediately. Uh, and aside from that, uh, you can you can check me out um, on Wednesday nights at, at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for our live stream Midweek Geeks show, in which we, we cover the the week in geek, all the things that, that happened, and we discuss it. Discourse and speculation abound. Uh, and 
finally, if you uh, feel so inclined, we'd love for you to check out our other podcast that we do uh, in tandem. We switch off with this one week to week uh, called Comics Paradox, in which the three of us uh, go over different what ifs from Marvel and Elseworlds from DC uh, tales that that are covered with alternate reality takes on on stories and characters that we already know and love. Uh, we also will be covering different story arcs, such as uh, Age of Apocalypse for, from X-Men and Marvel, uh, or even Amalgam Comics from the Marvel vs. DC, DC vs. Marvel mega event that occurred during the 90s. Uh, so you can check that out every other Sunday and find them wherever fine podcasts are broadcast. Senior Justin. I am Justin Cooper. You can find me on Facebook at the Epic Shells Ninja Turtles group. You can check us out there. It's a very positive community, all about everything turtle. A podcast called Epic Tales from the Sewers, a TMNT podcast. Feel free to look that up. A lot of great guests, a lot of good things going on. And um, I mean, that. otherwise, Brandon already said it. You could check me out here in the Dork Night. Check me out every once in a while on Splash Pages and also on uh, the uh, Comics Paradox. Awesome. With that, we'll catch you guys later. All right. Catch you on the flip flop, everybody.